Welcome to the Healing Place podcast, a space filled with inspirational stories of hope, along with practical advice for your healing journey. Your host is Terry Welbrock, trauma warrior, writer, speaker, blogger, therapy dog handler, and founder of the Sammy's Bundles of Hope Project. As a survivor and a thriver, Terry's mission is to shine the light of hope into the world by interviewing insightful guests from across the globe. Please stay tuned at the end of today's interview as we honor our sponsors. The Healing Place podcast is a fiscally sponsored project of Fractured Atlas. Now, here's your host and trauma warrior, Terry Welbrock. Welcome, everybody, to the Healing Place Podcast. I am your host, Terry Welbrock, and thrilled to have with me today, Samantha Wetchy, and she is founder of the 16 Strong Project, and I'm going to read from my notes here, um, Empowering Resilience to Adverse Childhood Experiences, which I talk about often on the podcast, uh, or ACEs, and they do educational workshops, school partnerships, and community outreach. So welcome, Samantha. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, we, we talked a few seconds before it hit record that we're um, yeah going to dive into the the story of your your organization and what it is you do. Um, but let's start with the name. So what what is Sixteen Strong Project? Yeah, so Sixteen Strong Project. Um, what it really means is if you have twenty four hours in a day. And in a perfect world, um, which we are probably not really living in, but in a perfect world, you're sleeping for eight of those, um, just for math's sake. So you're awake for 16 of them. And so what 16 strong really means is what do, what does each person need to be strong through 16 waking hours of the day? So that will look different for everyone. Um, you know, I might, uh, I might listen to music or I might listen to my favorite podcasts or have a conversation with a best friend and that might be what gets me through every day whereas someone else maybe they play their violin or the piano or they have a meeting with a therapist every week and that is what makes them strong for 16 hours a day so it's really individualized and it really means what what do you need um, based on your challenges your situation and what makes you go and um, in a positive way for 16 hours of the day what a beautiful concept and immediately i thought of being trauma-informed we it's such an important part of adverse childhood experience versus recovery and ACEs is knowing what each individual person's story is and what each individual person needs. And that's a, just a great way to look at it. Yeah, exactly. And it's something that I sort of used when I was growing up based on some things that I had experienced, but I didn't really know that at the time. And so it was something that when I was trying to think, what can I name this? What can I name this? What will really do it justice? I was thinking back to my experiences growing up and that's really what kept me going is I played sports and I listened to music all the time. And um, those were the things that really got me through each and every day when um, things might've been more challenging or more difficult as I look towards those things. And so um, that's sort of where the name came from. I think it was my approach to coping and getting through certain things was to be 16 strong. It just, it wasn't called that at the time. So now it's, I'm able to put it towards the work that I'm doing um, based on my own experiences and how I know it helped me. And like you mentioned, it can help in some, help so many others when you're thinking about their stories and experiences with ACEs and being trauma-informed and um, really individualized approaches. Yeah, 
I know myself, I, I so relate to the music part of it. I had my, I called them my Princess Leia headphones. They were <laughs> headphones that, and I would yep. just into my music. That was where I got away from the chaos of my, of my life and my surroundings. Um, yeah. Yeah. Same with me. And, and even still to this day, I always have, I always have headphones in whether I'm working, walking, um, well in the car, I'll just have music on, not headphones, but I always have headphones in with a different type of music, depending on my mood. And there are certain songs that I hear now that I listened to when I was in high school, probably, um, that still bring me back to those times where I turned to those songs as really a sense of hope or something that I could relate to. So music was really, um, important to me and still is, and yeah. definitely still have some memories from some songs in particular that meant a lot to me during those Beautiful. times. Beautiful. All right. Well, I talked before we hit record that I was going to pop up on the share screen. We're going to pop over to your website for just a second. Sure. And um, let me click here. So these statistics, I mean, this is putting these numbers in front of people. Um, one for, for, people to know, oh my gosh, this really is going on. But for two, for people to say, oh my gosh, you know, I fall into this category. I, right. These statistics represent me. Um, I said, so they certainly represent me. So let's, and me let's, too. <laughs> yeah, let's dive into them a little bit. Um, and just, you know, if you want to talk about these numbers. Sure. So the first one on here um, where your mouse is sort of hovering over the 20%. So 20% of youth live with a family member who struggles with mental health issues or addiction. And so um, living with a family member struggling with mental health issues or addiction does fit into the broader ACEs category. Um, it's something that I have included in here because I know it is something that's often pulled out and not always um, it's sometimes seen differently. And so I really like to call out those particular numbers and um, have people think about. And another reason why to me the statistics are so important is because, like you mentioned, Terry, um, you might see like I fit into this category. And it also shows you that even if I do fit into this category, I'm not the only one. I'm far from yeah. the only one that fits into these categories. And that's something that's so important to me and the work we're doing um, is to help people understand that they are not alone. Um, um, because they're really not alone when we're thinking about 20%. Um, I like to put it this way when you're thinking about, if we're looking at a classroom of students, for example, if it's not, if you're sitting in a classroom of students, you are a student, if it's not you who's experiencing this, maybe it's not you, but if you're sitting in rows, it's either the person in front of, behind you, or to either side of you, if it's not you. And so it's something that um, is such a, it's, it's a big number, even though, you know, 20% doesn't, always sounds super big, but when you're thinking of it that way, um, it's, it's, if it's not you that's experiencing it, which it, it might be, it's likely someone that you know, or, or that is close to you. So it's important to understand what they might be experiencing, that there's so many people out there that are also experiencing the same thing as them and that, um, how you can provide support to them and, and more, be more understanding of what their situation is. Um, so that's something that I like to keep in mind when thinking about this particular 20% number. Yes, beautiful. I know my I know my high school girlfriends when I finally came out with my whole story of all that had transpired in my childhood, they they said, oh "My gosh, I had no idea." Yeah. <laughs> because I kept it very quiet. It was hidden. It was taboo, and so I didn't talk about it. And so yeah, just again, I love that idea of particularly high schoolers, kids, mm -hmm. um, just again being trauma informed and um, just a little more compassionate towards the people in their lives. Yeah. And, and that's something I can relate to also is I didn't tell anyone what I was experiencing when I was in 
high school either. I thought that I was the only person I was certain that no one else would understand what I was even talking about. And so I didn't tell anyone. Um, and I, when I first went to college after high school, I decided that I was going to get as far away from this as possible. Um, not geographically, but I studied financial economics. I went to college, made a whole new group of friends. Um, and so none of them asked what my situation was because I didn't really know if there was a situation or what it was. And I never really told them because I didn't want to talk about it. <laughs> um, so honestly, as recently as probably a month or two ago, one of my closest friends now, who is a friend from college, she she had heard me either talking about my project or had seen another video that I had recorded at some point about my story and my connection to the work. And she texted me and said, I had no idea that that's what you went through. And this is honestly one of my closest friends, but I, she, I met her in college. And so I had never, I had just not spoken about it. And so um, it's several years after we became friends and she was still kind of like, I had no idea because that's how much I did not speak about it. I'm yeah. a lot more open about it now that this is the work that I focus on and my personal connection is really important. And now that I am more aware of these statistics, um, but at the time in college, I just did not speak about it either. Yeah. Well, let's, let's go to that for just a second. We'll go back to the statistics. So do you mind sharing your story? Sure. Yeah. So um, I grew up with my father struggling with mental illness and addiction issues. And so I have not actually seen or spoken to my father since I was in middle school. Um, because of his actions resulting from his um, struggles and challenges that led him to do things that totally really damaged our family and our lives for um, just a brief, easy way to put it. Um, so throughout high school, this was something that was kind of always with me. I, I like to tell people that I did overall have a really, really positive high school experience. Overall, I um, did well. My mom is tremend was tremendously and is tremendously supportive. Um, and I'm incredibly thankful for that. She really kept us, kept us going during these hard times. Um, but what I like to also tell, tell everyone is that I, um, I, like I mentioned, I had a really positive high school experience. I, uh, played on three varsity sports teams. I was at the top of my class academically. I had a good group of friends, but what that also meant is that no one checked on me because from the outside, everyone it appeared that I was fine. Um, like how could this person that is excelling athletically, academically, and I know has a social group and, and social circle, how can this person be struggling? And so teachers and others did not really think to check on me. Um, and so that's something that I also bring to my work now um, when thinking about how important it is to check on all of your students or all of the young people that you're working with, because you really don't know based on the outside what someone might be going through. When we think about adverse childhood experiences and their impacts and the potential impacts of trauma, they manifest differently in everyone. Yeah. And so for me, I channeled all my energy into doing well in what I could control. And that for that, for me, that was academics and athletics for the most part. And to someone from the outside, that looks like I have, I have it all together and I really know what I'm doing and I'm doing just fine. So I felt kind of lost in the sense that I didn't understand. I really couldn't make sense of what was going on at home or what had gone on at home. I, like I mentioned before, I thought that I was the only person that was going through this because we, we didn't talk about it. No one spoke about it. We didn't learn about it. So as far as I knew, I was the only person, which I now know is far from the truth. But at the time, I really thought that I was the only person going through it. And I also thought that it was all my fault. 
um, I thought that if, you know, a parent, my parent was struggling, that I must have done something. And so that's another thing that I've now brought with me to my work is to understand that it's not your fault because as a child, it is so easy to blame yourself when you see a parent or family member um, acting in a certain way. So that's yeah. a little bit about my, my, my connection to the work and, and really what motivated me to start this program to help young people now. Well, thank you for sharing your truth and your story and um, for, for using it to help others along their healing journey and shining a light on it because it really does need to have that light yeah. shined on it. I know I've talked to teachers in the past. I was working in a mental health arena and children in the classroom, this was in an elementary setting, and they were um, the kids that, that received all the attention were the ones who were acting out in inappropriate ways in the classroom. Yeah. Um, and one of the things I, I had a referral for one of the little girls to come see me and the teacher was so surprised because this little girl was the perfect little child, just sat in her desk, did her work, never caused any problems, always smiling. Yeah. Well, and I, and I said, because she was trying to be the perfect little girl, because that's how she was controlling the chaos that was happening at exactly. home. Exactly. Um, and so, yeah, absolutely. Right. All right. Well, let's pop over back over here to the share screen. Um, oops, there we go. So yeah, and move on to two out of three. So we did. We 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 talked about that really. No, we haven't talked about the ACE. We yeah, not yet, not quite. Um, sort of alluded to it, but um, two out of three, or sixty-seven percent of children have experienced at least one adverse childhood experience or ACE by the age of eighteen. Um, so that is a staggering number. Yes. Um, and when I first started researching and studying ACEs, I was, I don't, I don't know if surprised is the right word. It comes off as a staggering statistic because it is, but when we think about what is included in the list of adverse childhood experiences, it, it really does reflect that so many people have experienced something. Right. Um, and what that, is is different for it's different for most people and even if you've experienced the same ace on paper it looks different in every situation so it's important to remember that all of these situations are unique um but it's also important to remember that or to keep in mind that people are going through things and um to be mindful and and empathetic towards that and really understand what that what does that mean and what does that look like Yes. And, and just to, to clarify for those who, who might not know what ACEs are, adverse childhood experiences, there's a, there's a list of um, 10 questions. Obviously, it goes beyond those 10, such as bullying and racism, but, but the 10 include neglect, abuse, either physical, sexual, emotional, um, divorce, separation, parent in, uh, incarcerated. So, so those are the things that fall into the ACEs. Um, yeah, questions. Yeah, exactly. And when we're thinking about ACEs, um, we're also thinking about, about the potential negative impacts or long-term outcomes that often come from facing these situations. So we look at uh, mental health challenges, increased um, substance use or addiction issues, also physical um, long-term health outcomes that potentially could come from these experiences. So, and we're going to, this sort of ties into the 
85% as well, where we're looking at 75% of chronic mental oh, illness yeah. develops by the age of 24. Um, so the work that we're really doing is looking to take a proactive approach to youth mental health. So how can we address some of the root causes of uh, mental illness or mental health issues within young people to stop them before they start? And so that ties back into ACEs and adverse childhood experiences by helping young people first recognize what situation they might be living in, um, be able to put the language to it. I, to be quite honest with you, I didn't know what ACEs or adverse childhood experiences, I didn't know that phrase until two years ago when I was in graduate school studying this topic. Um, so it's, it's to me so important to help younger people to understand what that term is, just to have a word to put behind what they're experiencing. I think that that would have been tremendously helpful to me and I know that it can be tremendously helpful to others. And then taking that recognition and saying, oh, okay, yeah, this sounds like me. Like, this is what I'm going through. This is what I'm experiencing. And now what can we do about it? What can we do to um, potentially prevent developing some of these negative long-term outcomes or mental health challenges, substance use, um, things that people or young people might use as negative coping mechanisms so, or by repeating behavior they're potentially seeing in the home. So by helping young people develop develop positive coping mechanisms, strong support systems after they recognize what their situation might be to prevent some of the um, uh, to prevent some of the longer term negative outcomes from actually manifesting in in young people. Yeah, beautiful. What instantly pops in my head is that one caring adult, and that's the, what you represent. Yeah. Is helping these these kids and young adults build resilience or even recognize the resilience that they already yeah. have present in their lives. Um, yeah. yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And that's, that's a big, that in a nutshell is the focus of our work is helping young people recognize these situations within themselves. Um, because a big piece is not even recognizing what you're experiencing is um, I don't really like to use the term abnormal, but maybe atypical. Um, sometimes recognizing you don't, you don't always know, like if, if you have an alcoholic parent, for example, and maybe they act in erratic or irrational ways when they've been drinking and that's something you see every single day. And if you're not talking about it or not learning about it, you might not know that that's not what other people are also experiencing every day or that it's something to be concerned about. So helping people um, recognize that that is something that might be impacting you in a negative way. And then also helping to, encourage resilience and encourage positive coping mechanisms, encourage finding that one caring adult and your support system that you can rely on for help at a younger age to prevent um, some of these challenges from occurring either at a young age or even in adulthood. Yeah, exactly. I, I know I had people ask me, how did you survive all that, Terry? And I used to say, I, used to say, I I don't know. Yeah. Then as I learned more about ACEs and more about resilience and, and the one caring adult, I was like, oh, my grandma Kitty. Oh, my second grade teacher. Oh, yeah. yeah. Best friend's parents. I mean, they were these safe places. My music. Exactly. Things in place in this toolbox that I didn't even know I had created. Exactly. And, yeah. and that's the same for me. I didn't know really at the time that what I was doing was really being resilient and coping in a positive way, but I didn't have those words for it. I was just right. doing things. I don't know, like things that I liked. Um, but that's not always easy to just, to just find or, or realize how it's helping you in that way. Right. Well, you add additional, additional 
I guess burdens on top, you know, if a kid is being bullied at school, if, if they are right. experiencing racism, you know, those things on top of it, it, it can make it just that much more difficult for them to, um, you know, find the, the, their resilience. Totally. Yeah, and build it. Yeah. Totally. Awesome. All right. So anything else that you wanted to, to tap upon? Uh, maybe some of the services that you guys are doing um, and offering. Yeah, sure. So um, the program really started with the, so I sort of explained my connection to it. I went to college and I probably mentioned I studied economics and I worked in finance before I found myself back here. And so um, I really, I wasn't motivated by the work I was doing then. And I um, sort of reflected on my life and started thinking about what am I passionate about? What do I want to do? And so that's when I started the 16 Strong Project. It really started with a lot of networking, talking to people, learning things. And I returned to school. I went to graduate school. And that's where this really, I guess, started to take flight. But um, it started with one, with an introductory workshop is sort of where 16 strong project started in terms of like tan tangible um, items that can be that are student facing and so last fall I, I delivered this pilot workshop with groups of high school students and that's something that we still offer it's a it's a workshop that's focused on some of the points I was mentioning earlier recognition language um, understanding what positive coping mechanisms are what yours are like what your individual positive coping mechanisms are we incorporated um, incorporate media and stories that we see in media from celebrities and athletes and so um, a big portion not a big portion but some of what we focus on is using TV movies music, to also teach these topics or help young people feel like they're not alone because we are seeing different aces and different mental health challenges come up in so many different tv shows and movies now and in, in songs too and so i i try and bring attention to that in the workshop that we do and also on our website as well you'll see there's a section that says know the signs and so there's a whole in popular culture section on there broken down by different mental health challenges and different aces so that um people can really see that what they're experiencing, you're also seeing in a character. So I mentioned that a lot of um, what we like to focus on is helping people understand that they're not alone. And so we try to do that any way we can. We have a storytelling platform where we have, where we have volunteer contributors. And that's a way to see real life stories from real life people about what they've gone through, how they've coped with it, or how they're still coping with it. And we also point to TV shows and media where you might see characters that you can relate to. And although it might be a character, you might say, hey, my life is really like that character in that movie. And I can really relate to what they've experienced. And it helps me understand myself a little bit more. And so since I started the program based on my own story, um, storytelling and relatability plays a big factor into the work we do. So and that shows itself, like I mentioned, in those two different ways on our storytelling platform and the references to uh, celebrity stories, athlete stories, and pop culture. So that's sort of a, a roundabout answer to your question about the services we provide. Um, we provide, we have this workshop that I was just mentioning, a storytelling platform, which is within our Every Voice Heard initiative. So one of our main goals is to make sure that every voice can be heard, listened to, and believed. So we have the storytelling platform and also uh, Every Voice Heard Schools program, which really is a commitment from schools to um, better understand their students and listen to their students, believe their students, 
um, so that they can better support and educate their classes or the students within the school. And so the Every Voice Heard Schools program is, it's really a way for schools to commit themselves to understanding what are adverse childhood experiences, what are ACEs, and how might they be impacting my students, and really, like, why, why does it matter? Why should it matter? Why should this be something that I'm learning about and understanding? So that is um, another, that's an, a new initiative that we've recently launched. It was sort of um, after COVID, after the pandemic hit, and we were thinking, how can we reach more people? This is, um, it's always been important, but it's more important now than ever that we're thinking about these challenges that young people are going through. So that was born in response to that of how can we more easily get schools on board with at least having educators learn what ACEs are and how they're impacting their students and how they can input things into their um, like into their classrooms and their everyday work. So maybe not as much of a commitment as committing to uh, delivering a workshop, but things like how can I, how important it is to check in on all of my students and how can I respond to my students in a way that is helpful rather than harmful. Although um, it's not, it's not usually, it's almost never the intention to be harmful. If you're not sure how to respond, it can come off in a way that's harmful for young people and they might not ever seek help or advice or suggestions from an adult again, if they're sort of turned away by um, a hurtful response. So just really basic tips on um, helpful responses rather than harmful responses. And I'd say the final thing that we are working on and that we have in progress is we are just about to kick off a youth advisory board. And so we have a number of high school students primarily, there might be a couple of middle school students as well, but mostly high school students who will be involved in the work we're doing. And so we'll meet with these students and they'll have a voice in our work. Um, something that's so important to me is, you know, getting the input of those who are trying to support. And so I can think about it from the perspective of, you know, when I was in high school, I wish I would have had that. But high school is not the same as it was when I was in high school or it's, you know, there's so many new challenges. And so really being able to ask students, what do you want to learn about? How do you want to learn about it? What will be the most engaging to you so that we can support you in the best way possible? And also, how can you be a peer advocate in a way? And how can you bring these messages and raise awareness to these topics in your school with your own peers? Yeah, beautiful. I love the idea of giving voice to to those who are, are in it, in the trenches and experiencing it. Yes. Yeah. Beautiful. Awesome. Thank you. All right. Well, anything else that you wanted to touch upon before we close out? I don't think so. I, I know, think we talked covers, about a lot. <laughs> we did. We did cover a lot. And it's wonderful and I love it. And it's, it's fantastic. So thank yeah. you so much. Yeah, I, I agree. And it's been, it's been great. So thank you for giving me the opportunity to share all this with everyone. Oh my gosh. Yes, absolutely. And thank you for the beautiful work you're doing. Um, but kids are my passion. I, that, this is why Sammy and I volunteer in our therapy dog role in schools because um, yeah, I love the idea of, of, just honoring kids needs um especially those who are who are going through adverse childhood experience yeah i agree i'm i'm excited for this school year and this fall's work to get started to be able yeah. to work with work with kids again because there was a little hiatus where we where we were doing more planning and and back end work especially um last spring when there was so much uncertainty going on and it was a little bit more difficult so i'm really excited in the next 
the next couple of weeks where I'll be working directly with youth again in both our youth advisory board and, and running workshops and in some classes. So I agree with you. It's, it brings a new energy and, and sense of hope in yeah. a way when I'm able to bring this work directly to, to kids. So Awesome. All right. Well, thank you again. All right, everyone. So thank you for tuning in today. Uh, I just found out recently the podcast has now been downloaded in 77 countries. So very exciting. Um, And it was just added to Amazon Music, which is very cool as well. So yay. Um, So yeah, be sure to tune in on iTunes, Spotify, Amazon Music, YouTube, um, Google Podcasts. Yeah. And I thank you for being here. So until next time, remember, be gentle with yourself. Thanks. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening today to the Healing Place podcast with your host and trauma warrior, Terry Welbrock. If you enjoyed this episode and want to learn more about Terry, her mission, and the Hope for Healing journey, visit Terry's website at www.terrywellbrock.com. Thank you for liking commenting, sharing, and offering your reviews on our YouTube channel, audio outlets, and Facebook page. And as Terry reminds us, until next time, remember, be gentle with yourself.